<sighs> All right, I'm going to introduce you and then I'm just going to ask you some questions and it's just going to be a conversation and it like flows, right? Okay, yeah. <laughs> Conversations unhinged. Yeah, it's a conversation. Never had that before. <laughs> Hello everyone, I'm Ava Hoffman, and this is Outside the Lines, a line writer podcast where I interview line writer creators and talk to them about the artistry behind their tracks. Jade, who is known as Branches, has been creating and releasing line writer tracks onto her YouTube channel since 2018. In that time, she has developed a sensitive and personal approach to track making that places the artistic and emotional aspects of line writer to the forefront of her work. Her unique voice, influenced by her experiences in the Chain Reaction, Geometry Dash, and music-making communities, continues to be a breath of fresh air and an urgent perspective on what it means to make music-synchronized art. Today, I am very lucky to interview Jade about her most recent line writer project, Mount Erie. At a whopping 48 minutes of intricate, full-color track making, Jade's track pushes line writer to some of its most fully realized heights of visual storytelling. It's really just an incredible track and an incredible work of art. Uh, if you haven't watched it already, I highly encourage you to go to Branches, her YouTube channel, and watch the freaking video. It's really great. Um, hi, Jade. Hi, thank you. It's so, so kind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to just start off with sort of just some basic questions and we'll get into more detail. Okay, great. So in your own words, right, describe Mount Erie. Talk a little bit about what you find maybe special or interesting about it. Okay. So what is Mount Erie? <laughs> yeah, what is it? It's a big question because we have, like, uh, for people who don't know, we are, like, a plural system of two, maybe three now people, but during the process of making the track, we knew we were at least two people sharing a headspace, um, which is we're, we're plural, multiple people sharing a body and mind. And that means that we have different, because we're different people, we have different like connections to the track and different interpretations of what it is. And it kind of, to us, boils down to three layers of like what it is with like, it's kind of like an iceberg <laughs> meme, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so like at the top layer of the iceberg, we have like, Mount Erie Line Rider is a musical visualization of the Microphones album Mount Erie in, in a similar way to our other tracks in that it's capturing like kind of our experience listening to music and how we visualize it, how like the colors of it are <laughs> and kind of the, the geometry of it. We, we experience music in, in like a very, geometric kind of way like it's like oh this beat is like really squarey or this one is really like there's a lot of triangles here <laughs> but um like our track ribs is like very like musical visualiz visualize mm -hmm. but maybe doesn't get into too much of a deeper story but mount erie is also that it's also just capturing the uh listening experience of the album on the kind of second layer, um, I kind of put it at the beginning, how in the text, if you have watched it, there is a uh, land acknowledgement, which I, I, we might get into later. We'll see. Um, <laughs> I hope so. But basically, it's Mount Erie is really 
in this middle layer, it's about our connection to nature. Like, kind of the first kind of narrative about it. It's a, like, exploration into our connection to nature and specifically giving nature a voice and recognizing that, like, the world is, like, living, <laughs> even yeah. though it's very, even though nature is, like, it's a very static thing. Like, mammals are so, like, motion pilled like <laughs> mm-hmm. we have to like move around and like we're like oh we're in order to be like yeah we're living but like the, the trees the rocks the earth the grass everything around us bugs and shit birds bacteria <laughs> like <laughs> they're all um they're all alive and they all like have a voice but we just don't really hear it most of the time because it's kind of it's kind of quiet mm. <laughs> but um to to our ears we're we're very we want to experience sensory things this is kind of a tangent but <laughs> no, no it's great though yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but i think that's something about line rider specifically that's always kind of caught my eye because it's we have Bosch, like, in the middle, who's, like, doing all this movement, but everything ar- around her is so static. But it can mm. also be so alive and, like, blooming. And, like, that's why we always, like, draw so many plants and stuff. Because <laughs> it's it captures life from a very nature perspective. Like, mm-hmm. really, really giving nature a voice. And, and that's also something that's also connected to Phil's music, of course, because... Of Phil Elverum, who, um, when, when making this album went by the name The Microphones, but after making this album realized that he wanted to change his name to actually to Mount Erie mm-hmm. because it kind of captured, he felt that the name Mount Erie was like a good name for his entire music project because it was like, he actually lives next to a mountain called Mount Erie. It's, right. it's, it's spelled E R I E, not ear, the word eerie, but, it's sort of like he he lives next to this mountain and he he feels that the name is very reflective of the land that he lives on and i relate to this a lot because like phil lives in anacortes washington uh which is maybe two and a half hours away from me i live in so-called Vancouver. We live in the Pacific Northwest on unceded Coast Salish land. And our experiences with thinking about nature and experiencing nature is really similar. And I relate to that a lot in Phil's music, just capturing landscapes in music. And also the idea that the landscapes around us have emotional qualities is like a really big part of this project Mm. and that's that's kind of like it's a huge fascination of his and it's also a huge fascination of ours just the idea that like once again the land is like breathing and alive but also captures like emotions that we relate to Mm -hmm. there's a part in like phil's I think it's his most recent album, actually, Microphones in 2020, where he's reflecting on his voice as an artist. And there's a line that he says that is like thinking about his his past and his childhood and the way that he was 
kind of raised in like a forest <laughs> um, and without like very much money. And he's like thinking about like, I think the line is like, was this like why I found it natural to speak with the voice of nature? Yeah, that's a line. <laughs> or the voice of weather, I think is actually what, what, what it was. Yeah, the voice of weather. That's what it was. Because then in our project, Mount Erie, in Line Rider, there's kind of two halves to it. Like, in the first half, there's a character, and that character is the sun. There's Bosch in the middle, who is representing Phil, and like what mm-hmm. Phil's going through. And she's obviously an important character. But I would say the two other really important characters to the piece are the sun and the big black cloud in the second half. And these characters are kind of, once again, they're alive. They're very important. <laughs> and they too have emotions and um, intents and like ways that they react ultimately kind of violently. <laughs> um, <laughs> in the wildfire part uh, for the sun and then also the off sled bells inspired outburst in like at the peak of the mountain and so at at its second layer (laughs) what mount erie is it's an exploration of giving nature an emotional voice and Mm. i don't know if it's my place to really do that like i think i can kind of do that because but not completely like i'm i'm just a I'm a human. I I come from human experiences, but like, who knows what like nature is really feeling. But Mm -hmm. if we as people like start connecting more to the land that we are on and like just because we're we're disconnected from nature more than we have ever been. And if we can rekindle that relationship, then maybe we'll like figure it out and get closer to like understanding that nature needs something from us and needs something from us to be reverted yeah and what's on that third layer the third layer (laughs) the third layer is the cabbie layer of (laughs) on on the deepest level mount erie is a queer self-discovery story Uh, specifically a transgender (laughs) like yeah figuring out it's kind of buried in the process of how Mount Erie was made. We were figuring out that we were trans, like, while making this. And yeah. it was very much at the beginning of the project. It was like, okay, we're going to start using this new name, Jade. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and then at the end of the project, like, as we were releasing it, we were, like, telling people in the world, like, hey, we're Jade now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, the first place that I started using the name Jade was the Linewriter Artist Collective server. So mm-hmm. it's very much a safe space for expression in that way, um, both artistically and <laughs> in terms of like identity. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, maybe we'll get into it uh, later, but like, if you are trans, you probably might <laughs> get it <You laughs> it's relate. like like mount erie is also an album about like the universe and like mm-hmm. discovering how being in touch with not just uh nature but mm-hmm. like your size and 
how insignificant but also mm. significant you are in the universe. And I've kind of twisted that <laughs> to um, mean not just, oh, we're in a universe of like stars and galaxies, but it's also like within every person, there's an entire universe. Mm. And by being queer and like embracing that and figuring out who you really are, it doesn't necessarily have to be queerness, but for us it is. Um, <laughs> that you really do like open up this entire new universe and that's like how the ending comes to be. But yeah, that's, that's my answer to what Mount Erie is. It's first, it's a vi musical visualization. Second, it's an exploration of our connection to nature. And third and deepest layer is a trans coming of age story. <laughs> that's very abstract. <laughs> yeah. What, what a first answer. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That no, so that was wild. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so now that we have sort of a sense of the things that you've been thinking about with this track and sort of the artistic journey of Mount Erie. I'm interested in also hearing about how you started making this track, right? What were the circumstances that sort of led you to start working on Mount Erie? And like, what were you thinking about when you started it, right? Because obviously, you know, you're at the end of this journey of this creating this mm -hmm. monster track, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but where were you at the start, right? You talked about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. So at the start, I have to go back and like try and remember this, but it was in December, uh, December 22nd was when the track was started. And I guess before that, I would say the, uh, the first conception of figuring out this project was definitely obviously listening to the album. Mm. And it, 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 we kind of like the first few listens of it were like, wow, this is really weird. Like, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> I like it. I really like the texture. I love the way it sounds, but. Like, what's the story here? And mm. trying to figure that out. It usually takes a few listens to figure that out in music for us. Because we were pretty familiar with a lot of other other Phil Elverm albums, like The Glow Part 2 and A Crow Looked At Me, mm -hmm. which I really, like, have a lot of acclaim. But for, like, wow, they're so, like, emotional and, yeah. like, human experiences. But then this was something different it was much more than just the human it was like mm. deeper than that <laughs> yeah 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 um so yeah we kind of been like okay this album's interesting um <laughs> it's it's definitely something <laughs> i like the second song it's like very cute yeah. <laughs> and that, that was it and then we had this one time that we listened to it and that was very it was very visceral. Mm. I don't know. It was probably like a few months before we had actually started the line writer track. But basically it was like, we're listening to this album and we're like really focusing in on these, on these drums. Mm, <laughs> right? it's, yeah. it's, it feels claustrophobic. It's like, oh, we're like rushing through these like corridors and we're really not sure what's happening. And then we're kind of in like a dark space, like listening to this. And then... Mm. After like ten and a half minutes, there's the it stops and the <laughs> <laughs> the vocals start coming in. And yeah, it's those, like... those first ten minutes, and then just the the cut to those vocals, right? Yeah, it's like, it's like ooh, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> but that was listening to that. It really does, and then like opening your eyes, and then suddenly you're on 
the shores of this mm. really weird environment. It's like post death, but it's like, oh, you're on like a death. Like you have died, but you're not like <laughs> finished dying yet. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe I can escape this if I climb this weird mountain that's in front of me. This is really menacing. And then you like look behind you and you're like, there's like, ships and shit like coming in from all directions and it's like all this smoke everywhere and you're like oh this is bad this is really bad i gotta i gotta get up to this mountain because that's like the only place to run to from all these Mm. ships closing in it's just very menacing and like gray and dark So we're right. We're listening to this album, and this is like what's going through our mind. And so we start kind of like, I might be like injured and like (laughs) 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 uh, (laughs) a few broken bones that I gotta like get up this mountain. And then Mm -hmm. when the ships like come onto the shore, we're like hiding in this like bush. We're like, it's happening. (laughs) 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 Uh, And then like. The fire starts basically like at the shore, like this fire is starting and it's starting to like burn this island down. Like this island's already like pretty dead, but there's a lot, there's like, there's life, there's trees and shit, but like this fire is just starting and like the pirates are like, yes, we have this place surrounded. It's going to all go down. And it's just like this fire is like surrounding. So we're like, oh, we got to get up. And then... The fire just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until we're kind of like halfway up the mountain. It's like, we're not really sure. Maybe the mountain hasn't even started yet, but we're like just getting in like more inland. Right. Away from the shore, away from the more, the more vulnerable spots to like flooding and shit. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like imagining all this as you're sort of listening to the album. Yeah, yeah, but, like, it is, like, a dream, almost, where it's, like, Mm. you are experiencing it through Phil's eyes. It's, like, it's not, like, you're an observer, like, in Line Rider Mount Erie, you're actually Bosch. (laughs) Right, right. POV. (laughs) Um, And it's it's all very real world. It's not, like, 2D. It's, like, oh, I turn my head from side to side, and yeah, (laughs) there's this whole world. And then the second song, it's almost like you're, like, trying to catch your breath as you're, like, running away from this. And... It's like you're just closing your eyes and you're remembering something. You're remembering something that happened before you supposedly died, I guess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, it might be like a random ass memory. Like, in the case of Phil, he chooses to remember a memory about, like, a soccer player, like a really pretty soccer player <laughs> in like Norway or something, like just juggling soccer balls. Mm, <laughs> it's like yeah. one, of the, one of the lines, but it's kind of, I guess there's two pieces that I'm thinking of. There's this short story that I read in English class or like writing class called Bullet to the Brain, where oh. it's like someone gets shot and they die, but then in the process of dying, they suddenly remember this really random memory of, like, this kid, like, with a funny accent. It's kind of dumb. <laughs> but, yeah, but then the other the other art piece that comes to mind with, like, remembering, like, this last memory of, like, coherency before 
death is everywhere at the end of time. Yeah. And the final minutes of it and how it's very like it's it's a representation of dementia the whole way through but then at the very end there's this moment of coherency and that's like oh i remember something but then it ends right there right and that's kind of what the second song felt like and this is still all conceptualization. This is not right, like just, even starting the track and like making it. <laughs> you're just like listening to it, maybe looking at the like hearing what Phil is, is singing and you're just like thinking about all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And basically from there it goes it kind of fades back into like reality and we're like, okay, we're back on this mountain and we gotta we can see the top, it's pretty close. And there's the smoke has kind of become like all encompassing. It's sort of a dome over this whole island. Like the entire base of this island has been like burned, but there's still like this peak to climb. And we don't know why we need to climb up, but there's something compelling there. Maybe someone told us to climb climb up the mountain. Maybe, um, I don't know, <laughs> maybe we can escape death if we climb the mountain or something. Like, we go up there, and we're at the top of this mountain. Or we almost get there, right? Mm-hmm. And at the start of the fourth song, you're, like, on a boulder over alpine tops peaking. <laughs> like, that's that's what the line is. And then it, this sort of final climb moment is, like, this moment of, like, reaching up. And then seeing, like, some kind of light and, like, hoping that it's gonna, like, take you into, like, the right place. And you're not sure about it. (laughs) And then it's very, like, in my mind, it's similar to this one, this one incredible episode of a podcast called Welcome to Night Vale. Ah, yeah. It's just, like, really kind of ghostly radio podcast where they're like broadcasting stories about this town in a desert mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's 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 kind of normal but then there's just so much happening it's actually it's not normal <laughs> I don't, i'm not sure how i can describe it but basically there's this one episode called a story about you it's just one story that's written in second person and it's just like you are now doing this like you're doing everything in real time as the radio is broadcasting it in this episode, you've kind of run away from your life. Like, you've run away from your old life to go to Night Vale, this desolate, weird town. And you're, like, haunted by how easy it was to escape your life, how easy it was to disappear. And you've been like, what the fuck? Like, I had a fiancé, like, <laughs> back in wherever, and then I just drove away. And it's, like, the most terrifying thing. But then in this town... You're, you're just working, you're moving crates, but then at some point you choose to do something out of the ordinary. Like you, you steal a crate, which is you're not supposed to do. Steal a crate? <laughs> oh no. And eventually you like, you get caught. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you start driving out of town and it's like really intense. But at the very end of the episode, it's like, 
you're finally getting punished for what you've done. And these two guys come out of like a car and with your fiance. And then like, (laughs) (laughs) and then they're like, your fiance is just like, why, why, why over and over again. (laughs) And then then the, the radio host is like, you can never think of a time you have ever been happier because like you're finally being punished for everything you've done wrong. Oh my God. (laughs) And, Then, like, the the two guys, like, come up to you and, like, press a knife against your throat, and that's how the episode ends. (laughs) Um, Holy shit. But that's all to say, basically, throughout this episode, there's this recurring motif and imagery of this planet of awesome size with jagged mountain peaks and rich forests and like deep turbulent oceans like just this terrifying monstrous planet like in the distance and at the beginning of the episode it's like so far away it's like so intangible like you it's like it's so far but then in the middle of the episode it's like oh it's not even that far away now like you look up and you're like oh shit it got closer (laughs) and then at the end of the episode like right as the knife is being pressed against your throat you look up and it's there and the final line of the episode is like if you reached up hard enough like you could almost touch it and then it's like you reach up and then it cuts (laughs) oh my god so that's why the big black cloud will come get higher on your hill Mm. <laughs> when your fingers all go numb and you're finally standing still <laughs> part <laughs> like feels like <laughs> it's like reaching up to this this like really strange thing like in your final moments of like being on this island being alive and then you just get fucking sucked into like <laughs> something <laughs> And then the rest of the album is like a blur. <laughs> I'm not sure really what happened after that. But yeah, that was that very visceral listening experience. And we were like, mm. this would be dope to make in Line Rider. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except I don't have the tools to do this. <laughs> and, and when would this have been? This would have been like... This would have been maybe like a few... It's like a few months before we started it. So like maybe September of 2021. Wow. Yeah. You'd already had a vision, like a vision of it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that was like the conceptualization. And we were like, man, we should like, and it always stuck with us. And like, we would never forget like this Mm -hmm. listening experience. And we were like, well, I want to express this in some way. And I'm like, the best way would probably be through Line Rider if like we were to do this whole album like but it's so dependent on color and like Mm. we only have like black and white to work with and we don't even have like camera controls or anything like that or like we need to make backgrounds of like just a bunch of gray to like make it work (laughs) and like we can't do that we the only way we've done that is by copy pasting lines like over and over again until it's a full (laughs) black thing (laughs) (laughs) And then one night we were on a call together, actually. And mm-hmm. yeah, Jade and I. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, I was like, hey, I want to learn uh, how to do this. 
I think actually, yeah, the reason we weren't able to do it before because was because our old computer that we made line iron tracks on, where the track pad actually broke, which makes it impossible to make <laughs> tracks. Um, <laughs> like it broke after making hold yourself tight. That computer was so shitty that it actually couldn't get the mods <laughs> or anything <laughs> like that. We had tried to, but it just didn't work. And then we uh, were using a different computer. We were borrowing one from our parent. Um, and we were just like, hey, maybe it would work on here. And it did. And we started making Mount Erie that night. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. made the first like six minutes. Like, uh, we started by making, like, a weird, like, orange and blue track, like, just <laughs> testing out the camera movements, camera pans, zoom outs, uh, color layers, and even, even like, multiple riders, like, switching perspective. Mm. But then we were like, okay, that's cool and all. Like, there's all these bright colors. But what if... It's all gray. Like, <laughs> this is what we use the color layers for. And that's how it began. And we just started making, like, the, the beginning of the album is just so stark. It's, yeah. it, it really starts from nothing and then grows really gradually into something of life being, like, formed. And we just, kind of started just going with it not even really sure what it would be but just like remembering like oh this feels important to make in some kind of way mm. um and we weren't sure what it was gonna be we we definitely didn't know that it would end up being like about transitioning and or <laughs> about nature but i mean we knew that making that first rock section would definitely give us the the space to just start thinking about the album and we were like this album is so interesting and I just, I want to, I want to learn more about it. And this is the best way to do that. Yeah. So that's, that's how it began. <laughs> yeah. Th this way of sort of making the track as a way to sort of understand the album. is so cool, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 The way art can help us sort of understand things in our life. Right. And like mm -hmm. why we feel the way we do. Right. For sure. And this is maybe a good lead-in to this question, right? Okay. Because one of the kind of initially striking things about this track is, that, as you're sort of talking about, its use of color, these shades of gray that are sometimes almost indistinguishable, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this sort of thematic gray or monochrome environments, right? And then with this sort of contrast of these like really sort of like colors that are not monochrome, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Even if you sort of really look at what colors they are, they're, they're kind of muted. But yeah. in comparison to the gray, right? They're like, like vibrant, right? <laughs> For sure. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering, like, how are you thinking about your use of color in Mount Erie aesthetically and narratively, right? Because um, uh, it's a big part of the piece. Yeah, yeah it's huge. <laughs> it definitely wasn't thing I knew from the start that it was gonna get really bright later like I wasn't I guess when making the start we were just focused on the start and like how the starting was gonna look but as we were making the starting and calling in the line art artist collective discord there's uh one system of people who we credit at the end of the track mm -hmm. uh chicken is their name and we say that they inspired most of the narrative choices related to color. Because the story that they shared that really inspired us to 
restrain ourselves with color in the first moments and then like really let it all out in like certain moments like that felt really key were like based off of this story that chicken told us where i don't remember all the details like exactly but the gist of it was that they were in like this cave for like a really long time <laughs> like they're like exploring this cave and like not really sure like the way out i'm i think i i could be remembering this totally wrong but <laughs> I, think a, I think it was a i was there for this i think it was a tunnel that they were going oh through. okay yeah some yeah. kind of yeah it's a tunnel enclosed rocks <laughs> yeah yeah uh-huh. and it was just like super dark and like couldn't really see that much and your eyes just have to get like really like after being in the dark so for so long, you kind of just have to start making out the shapes of, of like what is there, even if like as you are just entering, it seems indistinguishable. Your eyes mm. will start to like make it out and like yeah. tell these very slightly different shades of gray apart. In the case of Mount Eerie, but basically, when they finally emerged out of the tunnel, like they look up and the universe is there like there's the sky is absolutely covered in stars like so naturally because mm. there's no like light pollution from the city in this place and it's just like the most beautiful thing that they had ever seen yeah not just the place but because their eyes like hadn't seen light for so long and then it was so like gratifying when it finally happened and we were like as we were hearing this story we were like this is what's gonna like guide <laughs> the color usage because it's yeah it's very held back in the beginning and then the first traces of color actually come in the river section mm. like nine minutes in which is this blue and it kind of catches you off guard not too much it's not jarring but it's just like ooh, there's this blue layer and then the next color that gets introduced is just the yellow sun and the fire and then that culminates it builds and builds until there's more and more of that on screen until the 17 minute mark there's like static all over the screen and it's like the whole island has burned down right <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah the second song the memory thinking back is really a moment of all these very soft colors coming into play and it was we kind of like while we were making the first part like with all the gray we were like uh, okay, we should probably make, like, one, like, really colorful track. <laughs> so we made <laughs> Don't Worry in a night, <laughs> which is another track. It's our it's our first released color track. You were, you were working on this before Don't Worry, right? Yeah, yeah, we started this before that. Don't Worry is made on, on New Year's Eve. That's how I spent my New Year's. <laughs> um, great, great use of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was <laughs> so wholeheartedly, but yeah, that definitely inspired the 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 color sections in the solar system part, and then oh yeah, but then the the off slide part is like very distinct because it's like 
it's this incredibly blinding moment, especially mm-hmm. if you've like turned on your brightness on your screen, like all the way up. <laughs> and <then> it's like, <laughs> oh, I actually like died because my eyes just died. <laughs> and that's like, <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> I think Pac would say that a lot. Like, I've been murdered <laughs> by this track. And I'm like, good, that's exactly how you should feel. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, basically even looking at gray and almost black backgrounds for most of the track. And then suddenly you're thrust into an environment that's just black and white. And the thing about this part is Mm. it's like exactly what 99% in terms of color, it's what 99% of line tracks look like. Yeah. But because it's like in context with all of this, like, this grayness and you're like oh this is normal now the what used to be normal now looks incredibly surreal and like (laughs) wrong (laughs) and it's it's great (laughs) it's very raw and fun and then after that after that there's like this yellow background and i wasn't sure about this part when we are on the other side of the mountain and we're kind of coming down or like just a almost dead body to like (laughs) <laughs> just <the laughs> fall, just being like streamed down the side of the mountain like with no will <laughs> the yellow the the like kind of pale like tan color was a really interesting choice that came later it came a lot later than other things we thought it would be more gray actually at the mm. beginning but it felt right to make it like this almost like the sun has like come out that like the sun has risen again <laughs> and it's like hooray we're dead i don't know i don't know if it's <laughs> triumphant but <laughs> maybe a little bit it's it's interesting i don't mm-hmm. know how to describe it yet but there's one more thing to mention and it's the use of the color black specifically and also white i guess because the first instant of black in the whole track is the big black clouds mm on the mountain and that feels really good every time i watch it because it's like you know we're kind of exploring like almost black territory but then Mm. this is like completely black and you're like oh yeah (laughs) like that's (laughs) menacing actually that's not the first instance of black the first instance of black is actually in the solar system section in like a very tiny drawing of Mount Erie. Oh. But that's like a very subtle foreshadowing thing. Anyways, uh, yeah, lore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, foreshadowing. But yeah, the use of color black is really important. And then also, of course, in the final song, it just cuts to a completely black screen. And that's a really significant moment, especially in the lyrics as well. Like the lines are... Like, now that I've disappeared, I have my sight. Beautiful black, you are unveiled. Yeah. And then we have, like, pure, just white stars on black background. And it it was really, I mean, I don't know what would happen if Chicken never shared that story. I mean, maybe we would have come to the same conclusion that we were like, Mm. we need to, like, really hold back and then, like, throw our punches at these specific moments to make them really work but i mean that story was like so crucial to (laughs) how the track played out which it made me really glad that i made this track not like in secret (laughs) because there were a lot of really good contributions by people just like 
giving feedback or not giving feedback, but like even just like giving their response and like maybe just thinking about it in voice call and like giving me something to work off of. And I'm like, yes. Like <laughs> Gavin, Gavin making a rush of blood to the head completely oh in, in secret was just unhinged. Like, <laughs> I mean, it worked for him. It's great. <laughs> and he needs that space, but we, we need art is very social for yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, uh, totally. Yeah. I definitely feel like there's a, there's at least one moment that would not have existed without that story from, from chicken with the, the long tail grind with looking up at the stars, that moment would not have happened without that mm-hmm. story. I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. G- great tactic to like, be like, uh, my goal is to blind my audience. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, it's a, a, no, no joke. Great tactic for the emotional effect. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I learn. I, I come from the Giangi Dash community, you know. Right, right. <laughs> like they're, they're just, they're just, they're just like sh- firing photosensitivity <laughs> warnings at you all the time. Yeah, and then I'm like, I'll just throw one, like at this really big moment, <laughs> and that'll that'll show them. <laughs> yeah. Maybe sort of a another question to to sort of mm-hmm. get at is. Because you've been talking a lot about nature, right? Um, mm-hmm. and things like the land acknowledgement and that text at the start, right? Where, yeah, where yeah. Um, you're sort of talking about it's like dedicated to nature and her, you know, you use the she, her <laughs> pronouns for nature, well, it's, which it's is mother nature. I've always learned that. <laughs> yeah. I think it, it also ties into some other things, right? With like Definitely, the, yeah. the bottom layer, quote unquote, with the yeah, yeah. <laughs> gender, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, and also opens with this quote from Phil Alvarum, right? Uh, it doesn't necessarily feel like nature wants us in it, right? Yes. And yeah, nature is such an important theme in the track and elsewhere in your work, right? There's nature mm-hmm. all uh, the time in yeah. the tracks, right? <laughs> so what is your own relationship to nature? And how does that relationship appear in your tracks? How is that like relation with mm-hmm. nature, right? How is that functioning in this track? I think it's... Well, I, I mentioned before that the piece and Phil's music is very reflective of the land that we live on, uh, like specifically the Pacific Northwest and Coast Salish land, like how mm. that feels to <laughs> live with. Um, like this track would be completely different if it weren't for the fact that like I wake up every morning and I fucking see mountains, like mm. <laughs> right? Mm. The city I live in, Vancouver, it's really, I mean, it's pretty urbanized, but there's a lot of traces of nature everywhere that is really strong. And also, like, something that's really important about the land acknowledgement is, like, a big reason why we do it is just, like, the peace is so, like, Mount Erie is so dictated by where I'm from mm. and it would not be the same if the people who lived here for thousands of years before the land was like colonized and abused, if they didn't like take proper care of it, of our land. And like indigenous culture is like, it's kind of like a blueprint for how we should live with the land because like they have Mm. thousands of years of being here 
without fucking it up and, like, <laughs> exploiting everything and, like, being communal and also being, like, yeah, two-spirited people, yeah, this is an important part of society. Like, people, right. a third, like, a third or fourth gender is, like, very important. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so with my personal relationship to nature, aside from, like, like indigenous inspiration... It's also, like, our channel name is Branches. <laughs> That's that for a reason. And, like, one of us is named Twig because I guess the name Twig actually comes from this one uh, outdoor school trip that we went to, like a camping trip in grade seven, where no one used their real names, like, with the counselors or with each other they use nature names oh so like my friend was pebbles and this other person <laughs> was okay pebbles is a horrible first example but <laughs> this no, other no, person was like okay yeah it's great it's great you're right <laughs> but like other people were like hemlock or like cypress which are names of trees and like one of the counselors was named uh alpen glow which is fucking based <laughs> but like our name was Twig, and that's how that. I guess yeah. everyone else kind of threw out their names, but you held on to it. Yeah, <laughs> that one stayed, and then we kind of always think of ourselves as like this, like tree that is continuing to grow, and mm. like our whole system is kind of like a branches of a tree, but then Twig is like the sticks of the tree, and then like. Cabby is very much like the flowers. And this other person who's kind of being discovered is kind of the leaves of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> this other person. <laughs> yeah, but we'll, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, I guess that's sort of our connection to nature. It's very much, like, to sum it up in a really simple way, it's nature is not something we live beside or live with it's very much that we are actively a part of nature like we are nature and a lot of humans are like no we can't recognize this but we we gotta <laughs> like yeah. land is not something we live on it's we live with and we are part of the land ourselves as part of the ecosystem and the, the habitats and the biomes and shit <laughs> <laughs> It's just we distance ourselves a lot, and yeah. it's sad. It's it, it is sad. Um, yeah. yeah, and that identification with nature, right? Mm -hmm. It seems that it is really informing a lot about Mount Erie. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and and maybe this sort of you know talking about like identity hmm. that might be a good way to sort of lead into these like that third layer you were talking about yeah yeah about how you know things like gender things like queerness right mm -hmm. identity right and uh a friend of ours described mount erie as like a creation myth that's also a coming of age story yeah <laughs> Which is a which is inc incredible description, right? And it's specifically a queer coming of age story, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and a trans coming of age story. <laughs> and it ends up being so important. It runs through the track in like sometimes like subtle ways, but really, really important ones, right? Mm -hmm. 
You've mentioned it in this interview. You've mentioned it in the description of Mount Erie. Yeah. Yeah. How How is this track relating to your sort of own self-discovery, self-expression, coming of age? Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's tricky to get into, but we'll try our best. <laughs> Understandable. I would say, okay, yeah. <clears throat> I mentioned how Mount Erie is like kind of split into two halves where... The sun is like the center of the first half. It's like this very important figure, this character. And then the second half is like the clouds. All There's so many clouds. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like, obviously, yeah, it's related to nature and like the fires and like smoke and all all this expression of nature. But they're also, as we mentioned, it's um, related to queerness in that I would say the first half of the track is kind of a realization inside yourself that oh I am queer I am trans Mm. it's like starting to figure that out yourself and then the second half is really like what happens when you tell people this Mm. (laughs) and what happens in the process of embracing this and having this knowledge now so like first half gaining knowledge of being trans and then second half is embracing that because the sun is like to us in mount erie we interpret the sun that they are like this really influential person Mm. that is like they're so influential that they like (laughs) like you orbit around them (laughs) (laughs) And, like, a bunch of things orbit around them, and they're, like, beautiful and massive and writhing. And, like, in the first moment of the sun being revealed, where you look up and the sun is, like, right there. Mm. It's, like, it, right? Like, the planet of awesome size, like that thing again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. From the Night Vale episode. But it's just, like, being faced with this incredibly, like, beautiful and important and, like, central person (laughs) i guess (laughs) like we all have someone who is like the sun to us like we wouldn't really live without them like Mm. the sun is like what makes life possible on earth like it's the photosynthesis shit um (laughs) (laughs) you know some scientific stuff i'm not good at science but (laughs) (laughs) like that light and like having that that's how life began and like how it continues and how it evolves but it's also has the power to like destroy <laughs> mm. it's very powerful it's it's much more powerful than anyone on earth we're we're kind of powerless <laughs> like <laughs> even the most powerful people are like mm, yes i have power like the sun no she's she's fucking writhing (laughs) like she will kill you (laughs) so that's how that's how that feels it's basically like the sun character could be a friend it could be like a family member who's like really important or a mentor who's really inspiring and like really pushes you forward just someone who's important to you Mm -hmm. and it's like wow it feels like a lot kind of revolves around them And in the case of Phil, he is consistently using the son as, like, someone he's in a relationship with. Mm. 
And that, oh, we haven't mentioned this yet, but yeah, the track that we made in 2020, You Are the Sunset, is very much about like personifying the sun, but like basically being like that this person is so important that, yeah, they are the sun. But also in this case, it's you're the sunset because yeah. it's temporary, <laughs> but also it's so beautiful, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And that's sort of what captures it a lot. But it's in the lyrics of Mount Erie itself. It's very interesting, like listening to Mount Erie made in 2003 and then also listening to A Crow Looked at Me in 2017, like yeah. 14 years apart and how he's kind of like in Mount Erie, he's talking about like death and like how, oh, I, for- I didn't even mention like the quote at the beginning of Mount Erie that how nature doesn't necessarily want us here. That's from an interview that he did about the making of Mount Erie. Kind of, kind of similar to what we're doing now, but <laughs> <laughs> where he's talking about like driving in like Florida and it's like just nature feels incredibly menacing like it's hot and humid and it's like the air is thick and also it's right after like 9-11 like there's all these little flags everywhere and it's just like it's like everything around you just feels like hostile and like it's just like nature doesn't want you there necessarily it doesn't want humans to do what the whatever they're doing here doesn't want this it's gonna react like she's gonna like just burn everything up and she's gonna mm. like yeah set the whole place just like <laughs> no get out of here humans you're 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 killing me <laughs> <laughs> and i think he also mentions in that interview that basically just driving in that instance the prospect of like upcoming death becomes not an abstract thing anymore mm. It's very much like in the glow part two and in like his older work, it's like, yeah, death. It's like this fucking thing, I guess. It's like abstract (laughs) and kind of spiritual. But then as he kind of progresses in his career, he's realizing that mortality is really, it just becomes more real each time. And that Mm. really gets to a crow looked at me where his wife like, withers away in front of his eyes like goes from alive to dead yeah and that's yeah (laughs) (laughs) i i i I can't really describe that (laughs) like his music can't even describe it either it's just so i I can't really put words to it (laughs) yeah yeah what what was i talking about i was talking about the sun (laughs) the sun yeah yeah and how the the immensity of death stopped us in our tracks a little bit (laughs) ah how typical of of death (laughs) to do that uh it's it's based but um, yeah the sun is representing like a person yes because in mount ear the album like he keeps like he's saying things like see me like look unveiled or wait that's not that's in the part after but (laughs) like see me like look from side to side see me like struggle and crawl but then it's like uh like i'm done with this like i'm i'm so dead like i'm (laughs) but then it's like but i feel you on my neck 
you are a ball of fire. <laughs> and, right. <laughs> and then that's like this huge moment of just like, oh my God. <laughs> like the sun is there and it's like, it, like Bosch is really like staring right at the sun at that part. Like, <laughs> yeah. But in that instance of like driving in Florida, he was like, had just kind of parted ways with someone that he was like very intertwined with in his own mm. words and it was had kind of like in the sun like you can feel that person there and that's sort of phil's meaning of the sun in his work but for us it's like similar but it's also like i'm gonna use ethan's words um ethan lee's words in uh their my boy review in which they say a budding queer crush. <laughs> mm, <laughs> and yeah, like yeah. obviously like yeah, I'm a 17-year-old. I'm not I'm not dying. <laughs> but <laughs> I am I I am filled with like queer emotions in our queer like discovery. Like it's always certain people, right? That mm. like kind of cause you to question yourself and are like, "Oh my god, this person's like hot." In like the sense that like the sun is hot. Okay, that's a that's a really funny interpretation. But, like, <laughs> no, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> this got it got very serious to very silly very quickly. But hey, death is a silly thing sometimes as well. <laughs> and yeah, the solar system part is like the sun is like causing all these like plants to grow and like all this like lush nature to become possible and it's like whoa what's happening to me like i'm gay uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny how i've like taken this pretty straight album yeah and yeah. turned it into something so um homoerotic but like <laughs> that's just it's naturally a result of making an album that is so connected to nature because mm. environmentalism and queerness are interlocked and I can't really describe why, but I know they are. <laughs> <laughs> no, true, true. There, there's a lot of thinking on this. Yeah, you're, it's, yeah. it's a very good intuition. Like, there's so many queer people in the like climate movement here in Vancouver. Mm. So it's like... Huh, I wonder why. And it definitely has to do with like being marginalized in some ways. I I I can't really put words to it, but <laughs> it's mm -hmm. it's there. <laughs> that connection. Um yeah, nature's just gay, basically. Uh <laughs> <laughs> true, true though. True though. And trans. <laughs> it is yeah, and trans, of course. <laughs> is blooming and beautiful and yeah <laughs> and then the second half right that's that's sort of like the knowledge of like or the first half is like the knowledge of getting like oh i am trans i'm like i'm i'm something right i'm not straight i'm definitely not straight <laughs> and then the second half is like okay well I'm unveiled now. I I look unveiled as I walk out of the canyon and now I have to climb this mountain and the mountain is like the journey of like self-acceptance and also telling others and mm. seeing what happens from that because 
that can open up a lot of um yeah a lot of can of worms <laughs> absolutely yeah so yeah like climbing up this mountain is like really the courage to like be- to come out basically <laughs> um to become in touch with who you really are and you know that it is worth it and you have to do it and you have to climb this mountain and you have to like there's just no other way otherwise you'll just die on this burning island um Mm -hmm. but then you climb up and you go up and at the top of the mountain there's like (laughs) (laughs) it's like i don't really yeah i have to be honest here and be like Mm. I'm not really sure. It's kind of both. Like, the the big black cloud, off-sled, maniacal, unhinged <laughs> scribbling. <laughs> it, you could read it as a, like, really, like, cute celebration. Mm. And also, like, just life-destroying, like, traumatic um outcomes and it's kind of like you don't really know what people are gonna be like and how people are gonna respond to like are they gonna accept you for who you are and like who do you keep in your life <laughs> like <laughs> after this yeah yeah so yeah this this moment is like I mean, you 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 go off sled, and it's basic. Like there are lyrics like "I'll strike you down, and then I'll strike you down again," mm. and it's very violent, and it's also fun. Yeah, but it's I don't know if it's both, right? Like I don't <laughs> like it's kind of just a huge thing. It's like being out is like suddenly you're like exposed in this really weird way that's kind of wonderful. And also, like, horrible, <laughs> but also <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> so it's a very upbeat part of the track. It's very exciting. And it's very, like, I mentioned that it, in the description, like, how life-threatening <laughs> yeah. this moment is and how real it is. Um, and that sort of, like, your whole world changes at that mm. time. Also, oh, my God. The clouds in this part are very, like, they have cute faces and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're also very, like, evil faces. <laughs> like, it's very, like, a lot of people compared it to We Don't Want to Die, which, uh, by Deftab. Mm. Which is an interesting comparison. I didn't, like, originally intend that, but it's definitely there where it's, like, dealing with, like, death in, like, a really silly way. And it's like, yeah, we can do this. But then the ending of this cloud sequence is really significant because the clouds sort of break down themselves, like, after this fit of anger, and they kind of, like, have this moment as this part of the song is, like, dying out. They are, like, dwindling themselves and, like... Crying. Yeah, they're they're crying. (laughs) And it's... I guess it could be, like... I, I'm I, once again. I'm not sure how to interpret that exactly. It could be like people realizing, like, oh, I've hurt someone really badly, like with this, and it could also be like 
I understand you. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, th- that that part just captures a lot. <laughs> it does. Yeah. For me personally. And then you're like, you're after this moment of death, and then mm-hmm. the, you know the track keeps going, right? Yeah, yeah. Into yeah. really interesting spaces with this sort of narrative. Mm-hmm. So at the part where we're like falling down the mountain and we're eating eaten by vultures, which by the way is very gay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> true, true. It's, it's very gay to be eaten your corpse to be eaten by birds, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> there is also oh gosh. I'm not sure how this relates to queerness, but I will I will mention it as well because it's a really a significant moment to me personally that I have trouble articulating, but it's the rain at the bottom of the mountain, like when the static comes back, the static in the music. And it's something about the way that these clouds have been like villainized the entire time throughout this track, like as like their first instance, they're like appearing as like smoke from the, the pirate ship. They have like these fiery eyes inside them and they're like, really violent in this in the offside section but then what does it actually lead up to like what were the clouds just gonna do the whole time they were just gonna rain (laughs) Mm. and it's like what was so scary about that right (laughs) it's this interesting like almost like an anti-climax moment (laughs) where it's like (laughs) oh the clouds like letting loose there when they start crying like in the in the very animated section animated in the sense that they're like anime not <laughs> like animated <laughs> but um when they start crying it's like oh that's just like rain forming and that's like also so important for life to continue mm. not just the sun but the water it, water is life right <laughs> mm, yeah I guess that's more nature-related, but maybe it's also connected to queerness in a way that I haven't really figured out, (laughs) personally. Yeah, I mean, there's a way coming out is also, like, in the end, it's this weird anticlimax as well. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Like, like especially if everyone just is like, yeah, cool, right? It's like, Uh what the fuck? You know, because you're, like, (laughs) expecting, like... Uh, everyone to hate you or something right you, you're preparing for the worst mentally yeah yeah and then uh, unless you're very unlucky it's never the worst right <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah. just like oh cool okay i'll start using your pronouns and you're like but you're a boomer <laughs> this is so confusing <laughs> yeah and they're just like a dead body like exhausted at the bottom <laughs> or like not a dead body but like you're just like lying down in this rainstorm but then the ending you've not mentioned the ending and how that is probably the most upfront queer part of the track because it's after you've like disappeared you have your sight you can see clearly like you've gotten rid of this old self it's very like because being trans is like really like i I mean i don't want to say it's like killing yourself but it's really like killing a past self like yeah there's a reason why it's called a dead name you know you're right (laughs) (laughs) but in this moment the stars that were in the the long ass tail grind section (laughs) that match the colors of Bosch. They make return in full form and 
start like covering the screen in just red, green, and blue. Like Bosch is just becoming part of the universe in this very gradual formation of stars until the stars arrange themselves into the directly into Bosch's scarf, and Bosch sees her face like in the night sky and in the universe, and that is a really important <laughs> part because mm. <laughs> it's I don't know if. I can explain it well, but I mean, I remember in the review that you're writing <laughs> about the track, you you mentioned like this part is like it's seeing like your face for like truly your face, like really recognizing yourself in the mirror and being like, "This is me." Like, I'm actually here, <laughs> mm. and like that's something so special. Like I, you you specifically mentioned like after years of HRT mm. and like really finally be- being in touch with yourself and finally at that moment like after we see ourselves for who we really are an entirely new universe like opens up it has things from like what we've previously known but it's also this incredible blooming of so many new possibilities yeah. and just the vastness of what can really happen now that you've i mean (laughs) i mean it's just zooming out and out and out after Mm -hmm. that moment it's just like it's just so much yeah (laughs) it's like immense Mm -hmm. i feel like it's important to note that like this part is very inspired by freaks by visible Mm. in that the stuff in this part is really just like us doodling <laughs> like it's it's very it, it feels like almost pretentious to put that in like the context of like an entire universe of like just doodles but <laughs> it's kind of true because within ourselves and within everyone within you listening to this right now <laughs> it's like there's so much within you that is possible there's so much in you already, but like, you can open up all these possibilities. And I, I haven't like figured it all out myself, of course. We spend our entire lives trying to figure this out, like this eternal question of who the fuck are we? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's something we're progressing on. Even if it's kind of infinite, it's countably infinite. We can keep counting up and keep. <laughs> <laughs> keep seeing more of the infinity (laughs) i guess instead of just a little recluse like oh i have to be i'll i'll say it uh, like a straight narrow path right like a Uh, really straight (laughs) yeah (laughs) but like being gay is just like oh my gosh there's so much all around me and it's it really is like opening up a personal new universe just like Mm. birthing a supernova of just like transness (laughs) 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 so yeah (laughs) amazing (laughs) that's why mount Erie is gay yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and this is like a good lead-in to sort of a a slightly more technical question Mm -hmm. scale is such a huge element of Mount Erie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the immense inhuman size of reality is just like 
is, is such an like it's just like a theme all the time right mm-hmm. there's these all these sorts of zoom outs right to like the sun the sun is immense this text what do you want it's just like <laughs> uh-huh. massive right and then that ending right where it's just zooming out out and out and it just keeps zooming out past the point that you think it, like okay well like, it can't keep zooming out it keeps going until it like the whole universe like disappears right mm-hmm. yeah how did you think about space and scale while you're making this right because it it's so different from what we see in so many other line writer tracks uh-huh it's once again very rooted in phil's music where it's like phil is very much like thinking about his size in the universe and mm. really trying to figure that out and also like the recurring point in Phil's music about like there not being ends or boundaries or any like borders between things. It's all just imagined in our minds. Um, it's, it really is like just a bunch of atoms <laughs> existing <laughs> and we're like, Oh yeah, this is a chair. This is a flower. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, with the zoom outs, how I, I guess I, figured that out i mean we had never done any kind of zooming or any panning like that before Mm. and it was also just like kind of distancing ourselves from just just us being in the mindset of just making a line rider track it's really like oh i really want to take this experience of like that one listening experience that we had and like this is just a medium that I feel comfortable conveying this in and I think would be able to convey it well because we have like a person who is moving through a physical (laughs) and somewhat introspective landscape. And that ended up coming together really naturally. But for the zoom outs, I'm like stalling because I can't think of like (laughs) exactly how I came up with it. I guess it was just experimentation, right? Just like playing around. There's no zooming or any kind of panning except for like maybe one like very gradual zoom in and then zoom out in the first 12 minutes. Mm. Like nothing like that happens. And then I guess the first moment of that, yeah, it's the, it's the sun in the sky. And this was not going to be as huge of a moment originally. Or like we had originally drawn the second sun, like the, rich, the second you are a ball of fire moment, which is a much smaller sun. First, we had drawn it in that first location, and then you, Ava, were like, maybe put that in the second spot and then make this one, like, this big sun. And then we were like, how do we do that? And then I guess, like, tinkering around with that was like, oh, like, the immensity of scale is, like, really just something that's extremely important to embrace in this. Mm. And then also the what-do-you-want moment. I mean... It's such a... It feels, like, so distinct from everything else. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, it's a moment of many things happening here. There's... Mm. In this What Do You Want, we're being faced with future. Mm. (laughs) And, like, I don't know. We've been asking ourselves this question a lot. (laughs) Like, especially with where we're at right now, with just, like, transitioning um, gender-wise, and then also, like from like childhood to adulthood, which Phil was also dealing with when making the album. He Mm. described it as like the album kind of represents like a mark between like, between like childhood and adulthood. 
And just the immensity of like that, what do you want moment is so grand and like menacing, like this huge landscape of just like, ah, so much possibility. And it felt right to put it as text as well in the mountains as like this jagged, almost carved out text. (laughs) Mm. And that's also plays into giving nature a voice and also something that I paid really close attention to because it's extremely important in the album is the voices and who is voicing what. Mm. Because Phil is always Phil. Like, Phil is always playing himself. He's not playing any of the other characters in nature or, like, the the sun or the clouds or anything. Uh, Like, he is always Bosch (laughs) in this case. (laughs) And, (laughs) like, all of his lyrics are always... Up until we get to, like, almost the top of the mountain, his lyrics are always reflected in Bosch's movements. But the first thing that gets said by another voice is, I know you're out there. Mm. In the second song, where there are, like, these, I guess, yeah, they're female vocals, like, coming in. uh, Like, water rushing in. (laughs) Like, Mm. this kind of ghostly voice of, like longing and that's the first text that also gets written in mount erie that's like lyrics because i want everyone else's voices not phil's but everyone else's to be reflected in the track itself in nature the staticness of everything else but show that it is also living and that is part of the what do you want moment was that the first introduction of that voice like i don't know who the the vocalist is at that part. I should really know his name (laughs) because it's amazing. (laughs) And then the zoom out at the very end, it's, it's, you might notice that in the ending credits, there's an inspiration listed. Uh, It's very peculiar. It's Cats and Pumpkins by Rabid Squirrel. (laughs) (laughs) And in this track, it's like, If you haven't seen it, it's just like a rabid junk release where it's like a monthly Patreon exclusive suggested track where it's just like, oh, it's a Halloween themed track and there's like cats being combined with pumpkins and Bosch is like riding on them. It's very simple. But then at the end, when the track ends, it zooms out and basically the entire like track that you've seen is encompassed in this very small space within this giant cat's eye. And it's basically just a gimmick uh in this case it's like whoa look how far we can zoom out cool but we were like that's so interesting to have this like entire universe be reflected in someone's eye Mm. like (laughs) and it's also like very shiver sequence like kind of ending where it's like the entire like all this writhing possibility is just like within the mind of bosch and Mm. that was like important to the ending and being like what if we just see the entire universe become, like, nothing? (laughs) Yeah. And that's, like, very connected to the themes of, like, people dying and how there are universes, like, inside of us and how those universes, too, are not lasting. And that zoom out at the end, it was kind of accidental. Well, basically what I did is (laughs) when I was making the sun zoom out, I didn't know, like, how to do the code properly so i put in like zoom out level uh negative (laughs) 1000 and then i crashed line rider but before doing so i basically watched like 
everything that I had made so far, which was like 17 minutes, zoom out into nothingness. And I was like, I think I just watched the universe happen in reverse. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, that's the ending. I'm not going to tell anyone, but that is the ending. That's how this track ends. (laughs) And hopefully it doesn't crash the (laughs) X-Bar. So... The actual zoom level at the very end of the track is negative 150. Um, Which is wild, because the the zoom code is, like, exponential. Yeah. (laughs) So each number is exponentially more. You can tell we know what we're doing with, like, technical things. (laughs) Definitely. This track is very technically uh, advanced. Uh, (laughs) It's it's not. (laughs) So you're talking about like the technical aspects of Line Rider, and you've been mentioning several tracks or interview. In many ways, Mount Erie really feels like this a love letter to Line Rider and Line Rider mm. art. I think the credits are sort of emblematic of this for me, right? You take this time to draw like a little personal representation of each of your influences. You don't like list them in the description. You like give them a picture, which is like such a kind thing to do. <laughs> That's the only way you can, like, think of it. And how do you think this track really fits into Line Rider as a whole? It's it's interesting to think about because I didn't really... I didn't intend for this track to be, like, a track for Line Rider creators, right? <laughs> like, they can definitely enjoy it, but it's more of just, like, a musical experience and, like, a more broad thing. But for the credits... Obviously, like, when we're doing stuff in Line Rider, we're gonna take inspiration from other tracks because it's important. Like, if you've seen stuff done well in other tracks, or even, like, not done that well, but you want to expand on that original idea, like, you're gonna take inspiration from, like, lots of different places. And that ended up happening in Mount Erie, of course. This Will Destroy You has... The first Line Rider feature film has, like, this... um really long credits sequence of just like listing a track that inspired it and then like giving like a reason for how it inspired it like for showing that like this technique can be really expressive in this circumstance like really explaining that word for word and I wanted to do something similar but I couldn't really do that (laughs) um I can't describe it I mean I kind of can like I could give shortcuts by Banky as an inspiration and be like this track is an inspiration because it shows like the musicality of nature like it's one of the first tracks to really embrace how like nature can be like a way of showing how music flows but I thought it would just be more fitting and also weirdly easier for me to do like a credit sequence in Line Rider rather than like actually editing it. I know it's unhinged that (laughs) I'm probably better at making a credit sequence instead of just like putting text on like a movie maker app, but also like it's so much more fun (laughs) to do. (laughs) So that was kind of what inspired the credits part because we were like, I want to show like what aspect of this track is like really vital to it, but I don't want to write it out. <laughs> but within like the world of Line Rider, like how it fits into that, I'm not sure. Like I didn't really 
think that this track would be like that enjoyed. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like I, I thought maybe like two people would like it. <laughs> mm, mm. And I would be like, yeah, it's okay. I'm making like this really weird, unconventional thing and that's fine. <laughs> mm. Like I'm okay with that. But a lot of people a lot of people have really loved it. Some people have called it like the best line writer track, which is the weirdest fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm excited to see if Mount Erie shapes more tracks going forwards, and especially in like uses of color and how that will go forwards and how color can be used more narratively. I mean, my boy did that first, I would say. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's also why that's listed as an inspiration. But Yeah, but, but you really took that to like a whole different level. <laughs> um, in my opinion, in my, mm. in my opinion. <laughs> Most of the inspirations that are listed there are mostly like this technique was used really well and I took it and kind of made it my own to fit with the story. But the main like really big inspirations for like the whole narrative of the track are like Shortcuts is one of them by Banky because nature, music, <laughs> very good. It's my favorite track. <laughs> I, I could get really into it, but uh, I won't right now. <laughs> but uh Descenso del Monte Ras Estrellas by El Loco Invisible is really, really significant because it literally is an eerie mountain. (laughs) (laughs) And it's very, like, just the landscape of it is so, like, it really, like, is one of the first tracks I've seen to depict nature in, like, this really emotional way and that's really raw and reflects feelings of nature and we wanted to take that even further and also it just lets time exist like it doesn't rush through anything it just shows this experience in a really raw unfiltered way it's mm. heck it's fucking film the screen <laughs> instead of <laughs> like a normal export it's so good and also just like the movement of Desenso is so the way Bosch traverses through this environment, it's not like precisely synced to anything. It's just, or like technically impressive or anything. It's just how Bosch just like naturally like follows like these. It feels like undetermined, like the path forward mm. is really nice. Another big inspiration was Cold Death at the beginning. Uh, Cold Death by Visible. <laughs> I th- I think you remember at the beginning of the of making the track, I like joked around like I'm making cold death colorized <laughs> was what I said at the beginning. <laughs> I mean, I I love cold death. It's a really interesting piece. Mm. Um, I should probably watch it again. I haven't watched it in ages. Yeah, it's really hard to watch. Yeah, there's it something is. weird with YouTube going on with it. Yeah, unfortunately, but also just viscerally hard to watch. Yeah, as that's. Well. <laughs> <laughs> But just, like, going to this destination of, like, having to go there to, like, die. Mm. And also not reaching the destination. Like, dying before it. Like, before you actually get to there. Like, in Mount Erie, there's kind of... The recurring mountain, like, appears a lot. Especially in the the dream sequence in Solar System, the second song. Mm. And I always put, like, these hearts on top of Mount Erie 
it's kind of a a Gavin Rue like inspired thing <laughs> where it's like you kind of internalize the idea of just like putting like this personal motif that might not make any sense to anyone but <laughs> you know you commit to it you commit to it Gavin like uses like two trees to like be like some kind of place and environment and I will put a bench in all my tracks <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if it doesn't make sense, but it's just part of like the personal aspects of it. So that led into a rush of blood to the head being an inspiration, but that was definitely a thing where I was like, okay, a rush of blood to the head exists. Like someone else has made like this really long form track. Like, I feel like I can definitely do this too. And I've also made like a 28 minute track beforehand. Mm. I mean, it's not the best, but <laughs> uh, it took a long time it took like a year to make like when starting mount erie i thought the project would take a year <laughs> like i was i was ready to like spend a really long time with it and then it took three and a half months which is super short <laughs> wild wild that you made it that quickly yeah but a rush of blood to the head coming out made it feel like oh this is very possible for me to do and I wanted to find a balance in the storytelling between the level of detail in This Will Destroy You and A Rush of Blood to the Head, because mm. This Will Destroy You is like stark minimalism the entire time. It's just the most bare bones a track can possibly be, which is great. It works super well for This Will Destroy You. There's no physical world-like narrative being conveyed in This Will Destroy You. It's more emotional and introspective which I wanted to see if I could do both. <laughs> mm. And then Gavin's also kind of has physical locations and it also has, it's mostly introspective as well, but it's full of detail. It's, it's a 54 minute film. And like, there are moments where like you will blink and you will miss like important stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this is awesome. But like, how can I find a balance between these two really like extreme things mm. and the idea of like an album track is like it always kind of circulates around in the community like <laughs> hmm, what album would i make an album track to if i if i had anything like hmm, maybe this album because i i like all the songs and and then you're like whoa this would actually burn me out so badly <laughs> so, <laughs> I was, like, really surprised how fast Mount Erie went, but it also makes sense because it's just such a connected piece of work, the album. Like, it's five songs, it's five movements, but they're they're really connected together in a way that's not just, it's cohesive, it's one story, it's one continuous thing that I really felt a need to show more clearly because it's it's a great lesson but i wanted to share our interpretation of it and also just show that there doesn't have to be like distinct parts like in the two other album tracks there's a lot of distinction between each section each part in a rush of blood to the head there's text saying like part seven this song <laughs> and it's like there's this 10 second gap between each of the parts which really makes them feel separate there's none of that in mount erie and that's all thanks to the way that phil thought about how the music would be made like it's really a story and yeah i don't know if more people are gonna make really long ass tracks <laughs> um <laughs> 
it's wild that we've gotten like two in such a short span of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping that that's not the direction that mm. it goes into because making really big projects for the sake of making a really big project is never a good idea, I think. <laughs> or like maybe it could be if you're like trying to work on like your technique or like i don't know mm. some kind of but I, personally i can't justify it really <laughs> like mm. in mount erie it was i have this story that i feel the need to convey just the same as any other track that we've made like pink in the night or um something just like this or Buddha's in paradise or mm. any of them it's the same like i want to communicate something but just in this track I just need a lot more time to to do that. And it just happens to be a 45 minute story. It just happens to be, right? But it's the perfect length. Right? <laughs> like it, like it conveys everything that needs to be conveyed for me in like the right way. And I guess also having that confidence throughout the track that like this really feels like something natural to me. Mm. And this natural process is something that made it so seamless. <laughs> and it's hard to find those projects that really click for you with line writer artists and just artists in general. But finding which stories you want to convey and which ones that matter to you. And like also just finding like a good routine on like how to work on it mm. is like, I hope more line writer artists can like find that for themselves because i think that makes the world of art a lot more interesting and beautiful yeah yeah how do you feel about this track now that it's out in the world how do you make sense of it as a piece of art you've actually made and like finish and is like something people are like watching and talking about and all this shit uh (laughs) (laughs) it's very weird to like say like oh yeah i made mount eerie like past tense because i mean it feels like the creation of it is still ongoing like i mean it's just like our life (laughs) right (laughs) like life goes on but now this thing is like my my writing teacher this this writing teacher was pretty important um but (laughs) he, he said like no art piece is ever like truly finished we just choose to stop working on it at some point and Mm -hmm. that's kind of how it was with mount erie i was kind of you know, I was like, I, I could keep going, but I mean, there's no more album left. So <laughs> <laughs> I will keep it here. And I'm mostly looking forwards now to the future, like being an adult, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and also being out as a woman. Oh, my God. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> and that's a perfect lead in to our final question. Okay. What do you hope for from the future? Both in terms of line writer, but also in terms of your life and and the world. Brutal question, I know. Brutal question. What do you want? <laughs> this is this is the question uh, <laughs> of the track. I guess I'll start with line writer. Um, in the world of line writer and in the world of art making, I don't know. Line writer's always been like this. Like, we, we make art in other mediums as well. Like, we mm-hmm. mentioned at the beginning, Geometry Dash. Um, but Geometry Dash is always, like, kind of this, like, dumping ground for, like, fun ideas. But 
line writer has always been like a space for like more thoughtful narratives. Like, I don't know if it's something to do with the form of it or if it's also related to the incredible community surrounding it and how mm. people will actually like take the work you make seriously. <laughs> like that's, I mean, it sounds simple, but other communities can't do it. The geometry Ash community is, I mean, it's huge. So there's going to be people who take it seriously, but mm-hmm. it's just not very many in the chain reaction community, which we kind of, abandoned (laughs) (laughs) i mean we stopped making domino art but it's a tough place to be in because it's a very small community and it's very male and it's very no one no one means to be like transphobic but it's Mm. there's no other trans people and also most of the community is so young to not really like to really get it and I remember, like, distinctly, there was this one really incredible machine builder who who posted, like, maybe, like, 300 machines to her YouTube channel. Just this unstoppable force of machine making. But she started, like, slowing down, and at the same time, like, she stopped using, like, her voice in the videos, and the person's name is... uh Alice and Drake, but they had a different name beforehand, like a, a male dead name. And she started like slowly, like kind of revealing like little things. Like she started like dropping like little hints in her videos, like the lady of many names presents this, <laughs> this machine. She like, she reset her number of machines because she would like number every machine, like up to like. 300 but then she just like started over she like she and she was like considering like i might just delete all my machines (laughs) Mm. and it took a long time for anyone to actually like understand like oh this person is trans because people just don't fucking know about it in this this place Like, I've tried to, like, be like, hey, like, let's talk more about this and, like, Discord chats and be like, hey, this is, this is important. Like, let's not, like, just be silent about this and let's actually discuss it. And then I just get, like, thumbs up reacts, (laughs) right? Mm, Yeah. I'm like, there's a reason that, like, every, like, trans person who does dominoes fucking is not doing dominoes Mm. now. It's very, like, uniquely isolating in this way. And it's just, like, suddenly, like, oh, my God, I can't, like, relate to these people and their humor and, like, the way that they talk about their art. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Like, there's another trans woman who hasn't posted in, like, a year. It seems like she still builds, but a little bit, but just, like, nowhere near as much as before. And then I've tried to be different. Like, I'm, like, I'm going to try to stick around to this. And it's just, like, not happening. (laughs) (laughs) I think what I want in the future is just, like, to be understood and to have people who are going to understand and are going to be responsive about these things and actually, like, show up and be there. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's tricky to talk about, but I, I think, yeah, that's what I want the most. <laughs> mm-hmm. right now. And I want everyone who's like going through this kind of thing to also have like those safe spaces and be open about those things. And for me, Line Rider is a place for that. It is a mm-hmm. place of that open expression and that openness, even though I, I, I don't, don't know a lot of like the main community, but mm. in particular, like the artist discord was so instrumental to making the piece how it was. I would never have the inspiration and the confidence to like go into this project, mm-hmm. how we did if it weren't for like the community and the communal experience of making this art piece and mm-hmm. having more things like that in the future, having more spaces like that in other forms of art making, we're probably going to go into music making, like mm. career wise and like studying that. But I think the most important thing is to build connections through the art and to really let art be a safe space for people to explore these things, explore queerness, explore nature and explore yourself and your relationships and your connections. And yeah, that's what I want. I want people to feel safe <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and to connect, <laughs> basically, <laughs> both in Line Editor and everywhere else. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jade, for this really incredible interview. Thank you, too. Yes. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. There'll be more episodes in the future. Yeah, I was very rambly. <laughs> Thank no, you. No, it, it was it was perfect. It was perfect. Up with us. <laughs> no, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing first episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm I'm super excited for what is to come with this series as well. That's yeah, great. we'll see.